0: Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. This week we are joined by Texas Congressman and former Navy SEAL Dan Crenshaw. Remember, we take your questions each episode, so write into politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Pliticon for next week's show. We'll get to as many as we can and don't forget to tell us where you're from. Please check out the links to this week's sponsors, HelloFresh and ExpressVPN. In the show notes, we thank you for supporting the sponsors that helps make this podcast happen. Please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, James, uh, you're a bull market for some Democrats. You need to buck up a number of our listeners who worry, and I'm going to list them uh, here. The polls are terrible for Democrats a year out. The president and his team, supposed geniuses six months ago, look lost. The Republicans are successfully gerrymandering congressional districts, almost assuring GOP control of the House in 2023. Infrastructure and Build Back Better bill, they're good, but if they pass, they're not going to take effect. Most of the really good stuff until 2023 you're at, or thereafter. And Trump's party seems to be paying little price for January 6th or the lie about the stolen election. And on top of that, just to make it worse, James, you're, I know you're going to rebut all these, but... They may succeed, they being the right, in presenting the Trump-Russian probe as a hoax. It was not, but they're helped by Special Prosecutor John Durham. And finally, the Republican Supreme Court's going to hand down a whole raft of decisions on affirmative action, abortion, and guns, voting rights that uh, won't be pleasing. James, give him a shot of optimism. First of all, all of
1: that is is, true or some part true, right? But, But the following are as likely as not to happen. Trump is indicted before the first of the year in multiple, easy to understand, with considerable proof uh, indictments. The second is, yes, the Supreme Court is going to decide a lot of things, and a lot of people are not going to like that. And maybe that would have the effect of stimulating democratic vote. It didn't it didn't do it in this November, but you got a whole year ahead of you. You got therapeutics for the virus. You have pin up demand. Every time they to keep revising the unemployment numbers, they keep revising them up. Of course you wouldn't know it if you if you pay attention to the press, but I mean it's impressive upward revisions. The quit rate is as high as it's ever been. Workers are starting to feel better. Right? They, this January the 6th commission is doing serious work and convincing work. So, yeah, you could take everything and go running high. That's not going to do you any good. But what you can do is, as opposed to bemoaning and pissing and moaning about the current situation, get out there and sell. Get the, the president starting. He's starting to go out and do these events. You know, as you know, I, I couldn't be more static about Mitch Landrieu hitting an infrastructure. And look, if, if, if they were going to it was going to be ready for 2022 but in terms of infrastructure it takes so long to do it but you can go to places and tell them what you're getting but but this sort of negativity this wet blanket oh shit we're going to lose that doesn't do anybody any good and it, and it takes all the facts or all the presumptions and places them in one basket and it doesn't presume what could happen in the other basket and, and so I've kind of you know, I understand it. I, ho- hopefully we, we, we learned a valuable lesson uh, this past November. But if we just shut up about all this left wing cultural crap and get out there and sell what's really happening in the country, then I don't know. Maybe we can do well. But but it's it not going to do any good to sit there listening to the podcast and pissing and moaning and, and being mad at yourself and mad at the country. We might have some incredible stories to tell here. And we ought to get out there and start telling them now. And you people out there, you need to buck up.
0: Okay, you listeners, buck up. <laughs> this is a Carvillian buck up. Uh, I, I think James makes some good points. James, I'm going to tell you where I think I'm not sure I agree with you. The Supreme Court. I, I think they're going to hand down some, some decisions that I will consider awful. But I really think they're going to cloak it. And uh, they're going to try to cloak it at least in more uh, less partisan uh, uh, ways. I, I don't think it'll, that'll be real. Uh, abortion is a, is a classic case. I think they will probably... Up, they'll throw out the Texas law because it's so outrageous. I mean, even many conservatives think it's dumb. But they'll then accept the Mississippi law, 15 weeks, uh, and they will claim they're not overturning Roe v. Wade because Brett Kavanaugh, for political reasons, John Roberts, for institutional reasons, wants to, wants to present it that way. But it'll have that same effect. Now there's the question is: the question is, are they going to get away with that? And that depends a lot on 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 how it's covered, how it's handled, how it's presented. Well, there's a lot more cases on that docket than just abortion cases, but I understand. No, I know that. I mentioned they, them. They, I, I agree. I'm
1: just, I'm just saying. And, and and a lot of this stuff, if if it's the truth is told to people, what its effect is going to be it's going to be they're going to crush hourly workers. They're going to crush working people. And they're going to do what they always do. They're going to side with corporate America and power. But, but if, if all we do is say, well, you know, Justice Kavanaugh wouldn't go to extra 10% on the abortion case. So actually, I can predict the goddamn coverage, all right? Actually, it was a nuanced decision that, well, in effect, it, it was very smart. and it, it, Our people will give it credit. Well, they were very smart. They actually gutted Roe, but they didn't say anything about it. Yeah. And it won't say anything about anybody else. And 85 percent of the coverage in a court is going to be on abortion, which, of course, is a tremendously important issue. But there are a gazillion other issues. And we will immediately accept the same terms that we always accept. And that is to, to say, well, it decided
0: it on more narrow grounds. Well, I, yeah, either, either right that it. Either that, or it's not as right-wing as we thought. It's yeah, more moderate yeah. than we thought. Right, right. J- James, you're right, but if that's the case, that's bad news because that means they're going to get away with doing things that most people <laughs> he, don't like. It's not just abortion. You're right. It'll be on affirmative action. It'll be on voting rights. It'll be on workers' rights. But people have to say that. They can't accept the terms of,
1: of the debate. We just say, well, there's nothing to do about it. That's just the way they're going to cover it. No, That's what's going to be there. Don't do that. Don't accept that, those terms. And,
0: and if you don't push back, how are you ever going to oh, know? I, I think you ought to push back. I'm just worried that there'll be one side saying one thing, the other side saying, and the people who are supposed to be the arbiters, the media, if you will, not Fox and not MSNBC at night, but the arbiters, they will, I think, misrep, I, I think they, they have this, you've mentioned it, they have this fetish for even-handedness when it's not called for. And I think no, that's just a, keep. You just keep, you keep, keep punching them. Keep reminding them. Keep keep doing it. You're not without
1: influence. All right. You write a column, you have a podcast, people pay attention to what you say. I mean, it, be be on the alert. There's more to it than this. And if people start saying that, but if, of course, if all if all of the center left commentators are, oh God, is this is it's that, you know, then then people are going they're gonna lapse into it. And Okay, we had a bad election. Get the fuck over it, all right? Just get over it. Could have been. Thank God we didn't have more. But you know, we got a year to recover here. Let's start the recovery. It's just a goddamn man. this the depression. It 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 it, it drives people drives me crazy. It's I I don't know, but I know I I really believe they're going to indict his ass. I really believe that the Supreme Court is going to exclude like, people like, yes, that, that we yeah. can't
0: imagine. And I'll tell you something. Trump won't win in the Supreme Court. And he won't win, first of all, because he has a ridiculous case. Uh, and, but secondly, he won't win is because I agree. This is a very corporate Republican court. It is not a Trump court. They don't give a shit no, about Trump anymore. They So therefore, once again, when Trump doesn't win, it'll be, ah, this court is much more moderate than we thought. It's mm-hmm. not.
1: Good. All right. We, we warned him. St- keep warning them.
0: We did. Uh, you know, one issue which we'll bring up with our guest, Dan Crenshaw, today, uh, who, who said, uh, and I think this is, um, uh, you know, uh, there, there's a big vote in the House today to censor Paul Gosar. He is an outrageous, uh, really despicable member from Arizona who— put out a man threatening, you know, showing him killing AOC, basically. They censored him. That was good. I mean, that's a humiliation. You sit and, stay in the well of the House and you're censured. Very few members have ever been censured. What they did, and they went too far, and this was an insistence on the left, they also took away his committee assignments. I don't give a goddamn what, whether Paul Gozar sits on a committee or not. He ought to be driven the hell out of Congress, as all of his siblings would like him to be. He's not fit for office. But that's just dumb to do. That gave Republicans a nice, easy out as to why they weren't going to vote for it. And I'll tell you, James, if they take over the House, I guarantee that they're going to find some Democrat who says something one-one-hundredth as incendiary as ball goes, are, and they're going to take away the committee assignments. It was just – they had a really good issue, and they just went a little bit too far.
1: What, what, what the scary thing is, he may just represent what the people of that congressional district in Arizona want. Okay? And – that just may be the are supplanting at some level sane judgment for insane voters, but I guess the Constitution, of, well, I don't know the Constitution, but insane voters' choice has to be you know, we we, we don't have sanity tests to, to vote in this country. So I, I I guarantee you everybody in that district that's going to vote in November knows what Paul Goser did. And I guarantee you that I'd have to look that district up, but I guarantee you he'll be reelected. Well, like you know, people, Arizona's and people had some, in his district will be very pleased with him.
0: Arizona's had some really good representatives over the last forty, fifty years. But even in the old days, they had some nutbags a guy named Sam Steiger and a guy named John Conlon, Jocko Conlon, the umpire, was his son. Oh, shock, yeah. the yeah. Really? The two hated each other, uh, and they vied to see who could be more right-wing. I don't think, unlike Gosar, I don't think they ever really threatened to kill someone. Uh, I, so I, look, I, I, I think dimension. what he did,
1: again, I think what he did was, was I don't know how to decry de- de- it in stronger words. Or look, up and give you every adjective. you can. My, my point is, I'm not sure that a majority of the people in that congressional district don't agree with what he did. That, I agree. That's my, that, that's my point.
0: Yeah. And I think the same thing is true in Louis Gomez's district, uh, yeah, district and, and probably Marjorie Greene's district. And, and, uh, and, they, and who's and the nutbag people, from, from your, your home oh, state. Clay Higgins. Yeah. The only
1: person out to ever get sanctioned by the Annie Frank museum. Yeah. yeah. But, so, but I think when these guys go back home, they say, hey, yeah, you tell it like it is. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it
0: the, the sad thing is, is not so much Paul Gosa, it's the people that produce him. It is. It is. Well, okay, we'll talk about that uh, with Dan Crenshaw uh, in a few moments. Hey, James, our guest today is one of the hottest young talents in the Republican Party, Dan Crenshaw of Texas. a uh, a Navy SEAL, uh, a veteran, uh, a man who commands a lot of uh, followers, particularly among young uh, conservative Republicans. The congressman also has recently launched a children's book on dangers of cancel culture mentality in his new book, Fame, Blame, and the Raft of Shame. Congressman Crenshaw explains that everyone should be given a chance and being well-meaning is most important. And that's what we plan to do today. Congressman Crenshaw, we thank you for being our guest today. We're honored to have you.
2: Hey, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Um,
0: let me start off with just a very contemporary question. Paul Gosar today was censured by the House. I think you voted against it. Why?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, look, I think, um, let me just be really blunt with you. I think this is all really stupid. I think what he did is stupid. I think the way he acted, I think, I think it was stupid to keep going. I, I think I'm, I'm surprised by the fact that, no one stood in the way as they were making this dumb video <laughs> and said, maybe this is a bad idea, but they didn't. And it's stupid. I think censoring him is also stupid. I think, I think the fact that we wasted time in our, in our U.S. Congress today with nothing but votes about Paul Gosar, I, I think is stupid. So um, I don't mean to be dismissive of it, but, but, but I guess I do, because, because that's exactly how I feel. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, I never even watched the video um, it was taken down by the time I even heard about this kerfuffle, um, and I, I, I'm sick of us getting obsessed with this kind of, of nonsense. To be perfectly honest, um, I, could, I could make a bunch of arguments about how the left doesn't hold themselves to the same standards, and so you know, and that would all be true, but. But, but to be honest with you, I just don't care about any of it. I, I, I think it's a distraction from much bigger things. And I, and I, and I find it to be below, beneath the, the attention of what we should be, you know, beneath, beneath this Congress and what we should be focusing on.
0: We're going to get to some of those policy issues uh, in in this interview, I promise you. Uh, But but let me just start off because the central question for your party remains, is it a Donald Trump party or is it one uh, that's dominated by the ex-president or is it time to move on? Now, you uh, declared that the election of Biden was valid. And you've also defended Trump on some issues like Charlottesville, the Texas lawsuit, uh, and gave him your voting card. No on impeachments. Uh, and I think I, I think you have said said basically it's time to move on. Critics like Charlie Sykes, a conservative, says that you're really the Trumpiest grifter's extent. So tell us where Dan Crenshaw is on the question of Trump because it remains central.
2: Well, I don't think he's Jesus, and I don't think he's the devil. I, sometimes I feel like I'm one of the few reasonable people that assesses Trump as a human being. Whom I disagree with at times and agree with at times. Um, there's this there's this weird tendency on the left to vilify him, and there's this weird tendency on the right to deify him. And um, I just don't fall into either category. And um, I just try to remain consistent intellectually. I want to be... I want to be able to defend myself on an intellectual basis. And so I'll, I'll, I'll go through some of the, the reasoning really quickly about some of the things you mentioned. I don't, know, yep. I don't know what you're referring to about the Charlie Sykes comments.
0: It was his, he's in the bulwark. It was his
2: comment. What, what that, did, he, what did he say
0: about me? He said that basically you, well, I think I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but you sort of feign to be an anti-Trumper or non-Trumper, but really when it, when, when the chips are down, you defend Trump. And he called you the oh, Trumpiest okay, grifter okay. Well,
2: I mean, he's confused. I'm not an anti-Trumper. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't claim to be that. Um, it, you know, it, it, like some, some of his most loyal followers like to label me that way. Um, nobody on the left likes to label me that way. They prefer to label me as this horrible, evil Trumpster. So, you know, I, I tend to piss both sides off. So it means maybe I'm doing something a little bit right. But... um <laughs> You know, okay, so 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 why why say that, you know, Biden won the election but also support the Texas lawsuit? And 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 I think again, intellectually consistent, I can I can easily give an answer to that. In one case, you are you are supporting you are supporting a a a challenge based on legal means. And those legal means failed. Okay, and so we moved on. Um and in another case, you know, there's, 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 a, there's a claim that cannot be proven. Um, and, and this is what I, what I tell my own side. I'm like, look, do I think there's election fraud? Absolutely. I, mean, I have plenty of proof of it. Do I think that there's so much election fraud that five states would have swung? I, no. Um, I, I just don't see any proof of it. And, um, and so, and, and also, I mean, I, and I also go through the data with people and I go through the, the suburban votes and uh, my district, and and what we saw there was, you know, the, the disparity in support between Trump and me, um, and this was consistent across all districts. So, so I, I help people through this, this sort of reasoning, um, and I'm able to defend my positions just based on logic and reason and facts. Um, and I that I'm comfortable with that. Uh, I, I can't remember what else, what else you listed. Oh, the impeachment. Yeah, I mean, we could go over impeachment all day long. Yeah, like, no, I suppose. no, that's. But-
0: was handing him the card. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I'm not an anti-Trumper. Yeah, I'm just not. Um, I, I just don't deify him the, the way that, that some do. Um, you know, what's the future of the party? Um, look, I, I, I encourage my fellow conservatives to, to make conservative principles the future of the Republican Party. There's too many conservatives who, who wrongfully believe that, 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 that the extent to which they are conservative is determined by how much they hate the left. All right. And so and so and so what they do is that's a distraction and that's and then then they have an inability to explain what conservative principles are. And we got to get away from that. And I and I I give this sort of talk and speech at every every Republican event I go to, um, because it's 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 important to remind ourselves of that. You, You can't center yourself around just one man. Now, to be honest, I'm not so sure that's what's happening either. Um, I think a lot of people feel the way I do. I like Trump's agenda. I have no ill will towards the man at all. I've never been an anti guy, anti Trump guy, right? Uh, and but but I also just just because he says something, it's not it is not gospel to me either. And and frankly, that's the kind of stance that he respects. I don't have this bad relationship with Donald Trump. It's you know so it it, it I, I have managed to sort of walk the line and be my own person, and I'm proud of that. But Congressman,
0: um, you know, we, we talk about policies and talk about conservatives. You know, mo- you know, running on conservative policies. To many, not you certainly, but to many, uh, the litmus test is loyalty to Trump. I bring up Liz Cheney on issues like taxes, national security, guns, abortion. Um, you know, spending. Liz Cheney is a die-in-the-wool conservative. And yet an awful lot of conservatives, including your colleagues in the House, many, and she was disowned by the Republican Party in Wyoming the other day, read her out of the party for one simple reason, lack of sufficient loyalty to Trump.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find that to be problematic as, as well. Um, now, now, but, but, but let's, let's examine Liz a little bit closer. OK. okay? Let's not forget that the House, overwhel- I mean, our conference overwhelmingly voted her in as conference chair after the impeachment vote. So I, I actually disagree with, with you on this. To, to an extent. then voted her out. Right, right. But but, but I, I, I disagree with you to an extent on this. Because, okay. because the, the reason she got voted out later on was because, look, one thing she said, which I respected at the time, at the first vote, was somebody asked her uh, in, in conference, are you going to apologize for what you did? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, I won't. And everybody was like. OK, then. <laughs> and then they voted for her. Um, you know, but, but, but the understanding then was that she wouldn't ask everybody else to apologize for their actions. And, and that, but that's exactly what she did. And I think it just, to be frank, it just pissed everybody off. It, it, it became much more personal, to be frank with you, than it really was about Trump himself. Because if it was only about Trump, then she would have been voted out right away. And so, so it's a little bit more complex than I think, I think people, people realize. James.
1: Well, okay. Uh, So one of the things that one of the the critiques is that you you talk a lot about civility and, you know, justifiably, I think, point to a a distinguished time you spent in the Navy SEALs. And it, it strikes me, and I'd ask you to weigh in, that in terms of civility and Trump might be the most uncivil person that ever occupy a high place in American politics, and Biden could be one of the actually more personally civil people. I, I, I mean, it, would you not agree that Biden is a 20 times
2: more of a civil human being than Trump? Uh, I'm not sure I would agree with the extremes that you laid out, but I mean, okay. look, I'm not going to defend I'm not going to defend <laughs> Trump's civility, right? Like, it's, not, okay. it's just not who he is, no. right? And he would, he, if he was here, is talking to you, he would be like, "No, I don't care," you know. I mean, like he's just, that's it. I mean, he, he is, he is who he is. And so, yeah, I mean, okay, sure. Um, now, now, the reason people vote. Go ahead. You sound like you wanted to jump in. No,
1: no. I want to say I'm saying, Congressman, is, is that you actually promote. And I think you you're certainly very civil on this show. I think if I ran into you, George Bush Airport, we'd have a very civil, nice conversation. All I'm saying is that is a, a core value to you. I mean, that that's something that you write about and write well about. And sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to put you.
2: Yeah. You, yeah. He, I mean, certainly you know, and I, I guess the question you really want to ask is if oh my, am I do I adhere to some double standard or hypocrisy because. Because I support Trump, but I but I also acknowledge that he can be un, uncivil and, and and at times, right. And it's like again, I just go back to my original statement, which would be I see him. I feel like I'm one of the few people who just sees him as a human being, as opposed to this sort of black and white dichotomy where it's like either you're an angel or you're the devil, and um, you know, it's it's just not the case, you know. So sure. so so if I have a choice between Biden's agenda and Trump's agenda, and Trump is meaner. And he's meaner on Twitter. And he says things that just oh, they make me cringe sometimes. But I mean, then again, so does Biden. I mean, and far more often these days. Um, you know, am I going to vote against that? And the, and the answer is no. And now, now some Republicans did. I mean, and a lot in the suburbs did. A lot of longtime Republicans in the suburbs, including in my district, were just like, can't do it. They, they, they hated the tweets. They hated the way he acted. And even though they voted Republican and they voted for me, they, they wouldn't vote for trump, right. so I mean, this this of course happened throughout the election right. It's just um you know but but the, but the rest the, the majority of us republicans we acknowledge what you're saying we just we are not willing to vote okay. that way
1: so so Tucker Carlson famously said he 's not sure what critical race theory is. And we've had any number of people on the show we've talked about, I don't know, Tell tell us what, what is critical race theory. Tell Tucker what, what he's missing and what, what exactly is this we're talking about.
2: Sure. I don't know if he would say that now, um, but well, he said it a week ago. So, I mean, it's pretty oh, deep into all the right. debate. Well, that, but that is that is surprising. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you. So um, when I look at definitions of critical race theory, I, th- I think primarily, to put it in layman's terms, it's it's the view of everything in our society, our institutions, through the lens of race. Okay, race plays the the, the primary role in how our society and our institutions function. That's, that's, the, that's a critical point of critical race theory. What really concerns me about critical race theory, and I'm tempted to quickly look up where I got this from, but, but I'll, I'll I'll try and paraphrase it. Um, actually I can paraphrase it pretty well and and you can easily fact check me on this. It takes like five seconds to Google, but, but it, but it, it, one of the key tenets of critical race theory is to challenge, listen carefully, challenge the liberal institutions and mechanisms of neutral justice, of equal rights, um, and this, this idea that we should apply constitutionally any notion of equal justice and, and neutral justice. And that's really important because if you read Abr- Abram X. Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist, you know, these kinds of books are derived from critical race theory. They're, they're all coming from the, sort of the same tree. And he says very clearly the only way to deal with, current discrimi- or deal with past discriminations is implementing current discrimination. So this is fundamentally what critical race theory
1: reports well all right i to not that nothing that you said it certainly kind of comports with somewhat it was developed at the harvard law school in the late 70s it was developed
2: by a by series by of people law professors unfortunately but, but, by somebody with Dar- my name Derek
1: <laughs> B- Derek bell was you know kimberly kernshaw yeah he's also been a, a, a sort of academic in this but this was something that was taught to high-end students at high-end law schools it's hardly been around since 1977 and at some level Honestly, it makes some sense. And the, the original argument was that you can outlaw discrimination, housing discrimination, but you still have redlining, line you still have neighborhoods or you still have institutions like this. But you're you're right that many of the people that started this did have a I think Bell himself had sort of given up on integration. Right. I, 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 somebody can check me on that, but 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 you're correct. There are some separatist elements that are part of this, but I really don't, to this day, I don't totally understand it, but I'm talking I I, the fact that you gave uh, yeah, I me— mean, Yeah, I mean, I just—because I'm not
2: making up these definitions. I don't I, I, just, think you, I just go off of, I, of I, what that, I read that, about that's, the people
1: guy I it. I agree, and that's one guy that said something. I'll just let that go. So I want to talk to you about the seals a second, because— and again, anybody that that's done that and, and done it with the honor you have deserves it. But this Eddie Gallagher case really, mm. really ticked off a lot of the high-end seals community. I, mm. I mean, people that run it. And give our just a, our listeners who are not familiar with this case just a, a brief overview of who was at Eddie Gallagher and why mm. is this such a contentious issue within the seal community.
2: Sure. Yeah. Bring back an old one. Um, Yeah, I don't think SEALs talk about it anymore. It was, SEALs don't like anything that puts them in the spotlight to be perfect, unless it's an Osama bin Laden raid. Then we're like, yeah, hell yeah. But uh, otherwise, you know, that's mostly what the the disconcerting about it. Um, Now that all the facts are out with Eddie Gallagher, for a while, this was just a confusing case. You know, did he? Okay, so maybe let's start from the beginning because I I doubt your listeners are are familiar with this case. It's been like a year or two since um, this was in the news. But, uh, if I recall, he was, acu- well, he was accused of murdering an ISIS, uh, fighter after that fighter was in captivity. So they were in a,
1: I think he was, yeah, I think he was convicted
2: of it. No, 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 no. He was, never went to court martial. Okay. No, no. He was found innocent. Um, well, what was he pardoned for? He was innocent. I mean, it, it, so, so let me go through the fact okay. pattern real quick. So the, and, and I'm a, Anyway, so so the accusation was that they're in heavy combat. They call in close air support on a building. I believe this this fighter sort of stumbles out of it, and as he stumbles out of it, he's been hit by, you know, a hellfire missile or something. I mean, he's he's really screwed up. This guy is this guy is almost dead. Um, they they strap him to the truck. They they bring him back to the base, and they actually and there's video of this. So there's there's no question about what happened. Um And they start performing you know your, your kind of typical um, typical medical procedures, and he eventually dies now the reason Eddie is in trouble gets in trouble is because he takes this really stupid picture with the dead body afterwards um, and it's a picture that looks like he killed him when he didn't uh, because the video uh, shows him actually working on the guy and then he dies so it's um that eventually made it to, through the court-martial and everything, and he was found. that's why he was found innocent. Now, this, there was a couple of SEALs in the platoon that really hated Eddie. Um, and to this day, I don't know who's right on this. Was Eddie a bad chief, a bad leader, and that's why they hated him? I don't know. And it, don't, it doesn't really matter for the sake of argument for whether he's guilty of murder. But it does appear, after now that I've seen all the evidence, that these guys um, potentially fabricated this story because they hated Eddie so much. Doesn't mean Eddie's a good leader or a good chief, or that like we, we really rally around him in the SEAL teams. Frankly, I just don't know the answers to these questions. It kind of depends on who you talk to. Um, I I spoke in favor of Eddie only to say that um, he shouldn't have been confined the way he was and treated the way he was when he had not been convicted of anything. That that's what that's what I was publicly um, defending him for at, at the time. But he has been found innocent since then. So,
1: so we'll we'll move on. But I will note that many senior uh, Co admirals and, and were very sort of upset about this, but I I, I can't really Yeah, I'd, I'd to have to, to see what they again. said and what they were saying. And I think I, was, uh, I, I think know. Admiral McRaven weighed in pretty forcefully on this.
2: Yeah, but he but he had no part in it, okay. nor, nor was nor did right. he have access I to the
1: facts I, I we will spent.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an old it's old news. Uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, 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 enough time. <laughs> on this. I, I want to turn it back, back over now, and of course you don't have anything to do with this, all right? But I, I you're the Texas 2nd Congressional District? Yes, sir. I, I looked at your Congressional District, all right? It utterly, it like many Congressional Districts in the country, it, it utterly is a totally politically drawn difference. It, say, it says in Louisiana 2, which I live in, okay, which is a Democratic District. So I'm not at all picking on you for the nature of your congressional district. But do you think there's any kind of legislation, bipartisan legislation that we can do to try to get congressional districts that make more sense geographically and where we don't try to hoard all of one party into, into one, one congressional district. Wouldn't this by nature bring about some level of civility in American politics?
2: Um, well, if you wanted, if you wanted more moderate districts, you would keep my district the way it is. I mean, my district is, Trending blue. Um, the I, I find the 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 discussion about gerrymandering fascinating, and I assume you guys do too, because you know you've been in politics for so long and you've seen all the arguments. You this is this is political science, really. Um, one of my professors at Harvard studied this 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 issue of. What causes this partisanship? What causes those red and blue dots over time? To, you've all seen the YouTube video, right, where like over time, the red and blue dots move further and further to the left and right. What causes that? Now, if it was gerrymandering, then you wouldn't see the exact same thing happen in the Senate, but you do. So gerrymandering is not the, the issue here. I, I, what, what, I, what I always question, look, I don't like the way my district looks. My new district looks very different. But it's also right, okay, com- I guess it, but it it, it right. just looks like a pond instead of this river, like you like you described it, right? It looked like,
1: look like an upside down U when I looked at it. Yeah, yeah, I guess I
2: was uh, told Somebody on Twitter uh noted that it right. looked like Bart that. Simpson taking a dump. Uh which is kind of <laughs> 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 but, uh, That's more know, graphic than an upside down you. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it, but I question but I'm always wondering, I'm like, well what what is it about this shape that makes it corrupt, right? That makes it that makes it wrong. But people always focus on the shape. And I just kind of just from an objective standpoint, again, as somebody who's not responsible for how these are drawn. I find that interesting because my new district is very much not like that. My new district, they finally redrew it to where it's like a pond. It looks like you would. Nobody's going to give me any crap anymore. But it's also completely uncompetitive. No Democrat has a chance, whereas Democrats really thought they had a chance against me last time.
1: I'm not, again, I'm very careful not to single you out. There are a lot of Democrats that get elected in districts that like that. I just find districts that make geographically have not much continuity that don't make sense to, to not be a good idea. I don't
2: yeah. And, and I mean, I certainly uh, that, don't
1: blame anybody. I think it's fair. Run some one of these districts. You had nothing to do with
0: it. All right, Albert, back to you. Let me ask you about uh, some of the issues that are before you now, because uh, you really are, as you describe a, a very, um, a policy maven. Uh, the, the so-called build back better bill is going to come before the house soon. I know you will vote against it as, you know, it's massive federal spending. Let me ask you this though. There's uh, just about s- several of the components like universal pre-K, more assistance, for home health care workers to take care of the elderly and disabled, uh, extend uh, the food assistance program to poor children. Should they, these just be pared back? Are they too much? Or should, are these areas that federal government really ought to ought to limit itself and stay away from?
2: Well, there was there was a long list. And frankly, if we want to kind of discuss the you know in a reasonable way. How federal government should involve itself in each one of those issues, we should discuss that. But, yeah. But, but if the question is, there are good things, why can't you acknowledge there's good things and maybe vote for it? I mean, I mean, you can put a bunch of jelly beans into a turd, and I still won't eat it. You know, because it's just I just just wanted. No, to be no, gross. I'm
0: not asking. I'm not asking you to vote for it. I'm trying to say if it is it is the problem is it's too big or just the federal oh,
2: government oh, shouldn't oh, be doing most okay, of well, these well, things. Okay, well, good question. So, the infrastructure bill. The bipartisan infrastructure bill my problem with that was fundamentally. It was too big uh, I couldn't I couldn't really tell you what I'm against policy wise in the infrastructure bill I, I, I think Republicans kind of got that one wrong just in our, our base sort of messaging against that and um, You know, I think people were confused people thought it was the build back better plan now politically It is attached at the hip to the build back better plan Which is the other part of my big problem with the infrastructure bill but if you just made that infrastructure bill paid for by Leftover COVID money, I, I don't see why I would vote against it. Um, now, the Build Back Better plan is quite different, and it's massive. And so, you know, I, I guess the question should be, you know, what, what, where do I start? Um, I'll tell you what I was railing about today in a in a committee markup, which was that this. One thing this bill does um, is attempt to punish states that haven't expanded Medicaid by cutting our DISH funding, which is the Medicaid waiver funding that we use, like in Texas and Georgia, other 13 states total. Um, so we take care of the people that we're supposed to care about and that we, you know, are uninsured or, or downtrodden. We take care of them, but we do it in a very different system. And frankly, that system is more efficient, saves a lot more money and has the same exact outcome. Um, so, so this bill cuts... Texas dish funding, which is which is our low income hospital funding, our, our safety net hospitals that we have. So in Harris County, where I live, it's called Harris Health. We have two main hospitals that, that do that. Cuts the, their funding by about twenty million dollars. Cuts the Texas Children's Hospital. I'm, I hope I get these numbers right off the top of my head, but I think by twelve million. Um, MD Anderson, premier cancer organization in the entire world, cuts by two million. And overall, to Texas, two hundred fifty million dollars cut. So it's just one thing. Um, so it's a pretty awful attack on the oil and gas industry too, to the to the benefit of Russia and our competitors. It will have no effect on carbon emissions, um, and I will be proven right in that. We could, we could talk climate and energy all day long, um, but so I mean those are a few of the things extremely harmful to our economy and our way of life, our energy prices, our ability to afford things. It's very inflationary. Um, I, I don't think the infrastructure bill was inflationary. So I just, you know, I agree with the economic analysis of these things. But the, but the Build Back Better plan will be extremely inflationary and therefore even worse of a tax on people. A lot of the, 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 lot of the tax analysis has come out, and the biggest beneficiaries indeed are the rich. Um, and especially in blue space. Second states. biggest,
0: right.
2: Yeah. And so, well, by, by per se, the, the, well, I can could, I could send you the, the studies and analysis. No, that was that just the thing. At.
0: But it's big. You know, I agree. I mean, the salt it's, thing makes it very big.
2: It's huge. And then, you know, small businesses get screwed um, because it
0: were in isolation. Would you vote for Would you favor universal pre-K like they have in Oklahoma, West Virginia and several other states?
2: Um, No, probably not. I don't think federal government should be doing that. Um, This isn't this isn't the the committee that I that I focus on entirely. You know, it's on on education, but but I continue to see evidence that government led universal pre-K doesn't have the outcomes that that you'd hope for. Um, and, and I'm not so sure that we should crowd out some of the private entities that do this rather well, you know, I'd, I'd be, you could, you could get some of, you could probably get Republicans, just same on healthcare. You can get Republicans to support these kind of safety nets, as long as they're in the form of some kind of, um, uh, voucher system, which empowers people. You know, I could talk to you about healthcare all day long and. You know, the question is, who's getting empowered? And Obamacare empowers insurance companies. I think, I think you can still take care of people by empowering the patient through a health savings account, for instance, similar to actually what Medicaid, sorry, what Medicare Advantage is. The Medicare Advantage structure is, is based on this idea that you should empower patients to then choose in the free market. So you, so you maintain these forces of the free market that, 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 that involve choice and competition And what does this give us? Well, it gives us higher quality at lower prices. That's what the free market gives us. Now, it sometimes leaves people out, right? Which is the argument of the left. So the question is how you get those people back in, how you provide them a safety net. And you do so by empowering them. You don't do so by creating yet another program that doesn't work that well. Our argument for Medicaid as well.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you 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 mentioned COVID a a minute ago. I think I, I have this right. You are vaccinated. Uh, and you would encourage people to be vaccinated, but you adamantly oppose any vaccination requirement. Um, if, if I'm working for a Texas company, uh, and I've been vaccinated, and they're bringing us back to the office, and I don't want to work next to the 30% in the office who are unvaccinated potential spreaders, yet your state forbids those private companies from having a vaccine requirement. Is that, is that conservative?
2: Well, it it, it is in the sense that it was a response to the federal government's overreach. That's when Abbott implemented that. And you'd have to ask him how he comes to that conclusion. I don't like that we have to do that. I agree. I sort of agree with your point. Um, Mm -hmm. But we did have to do it because of the federal government overreach that existed there. Um, And just from a logic standpoint, I would, you know, I I, I would say if you're vaccinated and the vaccine works, then why do you care who's vaccinated around you? Because Um, you're more likely to get it from people who are unvaccinated.
0: All the data shows.
2: Uh, yeah, barely. It is more likely. The more data we have, the more, the, the more it seems that it's, it's not so much the case. I, I, I think it's interesting that, that, that COVID and basically the risk assessment associated with COVID became so hyperpartisan. I, th- I find it interesting. Yeah. I've written about this. I've written about the psychology of the left and right. And what it boils down to is, is conservatives are just, are just um, more accepting of physical risk, just in general. Uh, than the left but is, and you and you can see this on, in the types a, of jobs we choose as well.
0: Would be, but Congressman, you would agree, not on polio vaccines, not on measles vaccines, not on me, not on on flu
2: vaccines. They're, those are requirements. Well, it depends. Not, not the way they're trying state, to re- not the, No, not the way they're trying to require COVID shots. And 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 it, what the people who are against the vaccines would say. Again, I mean, I don't, I'm pro-vaccine, so I'm not really agreeing with them. Right. But what they say is, you know. Yeah, but those vaccines have been around for decades. We know what they do, and, and and you know, and you can argue with them on that. But 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 the but the notion that they're a danger to society, I, I, I think, is ridiculous. I, I think it's utterly ridiculous. And I and I think I think humanity as a whole has has lost its effing mind with respect to risk assessment on COVID. I think not just in America, I think in America, we're we're frankly, some of the better ones, just even as a whole, I mean, there's nobody locked down anymore. It's, you know, but you look around the world and it's just not the case. Humanity has lost, lost its mind on this. Um, And for some reason, this particular risk, and it's a risk, COVID is real and it's a risk, but it's a mitigatable risk. And it just doesn't, have much risk for certain people and it's very easy to classify that very easy. There's like, Oh, it's, there's a very small number of people under 18 who have died from COVID that were actually healthy. I, I, I saw a study on this and, and I'm not going to get the number exactly right, but it was astonishingly small, like it, definitely less than hundred, maybe even in the single digits, the, the vast majority of like the 400 people who had died, which is also very small had had serious conditions So it just brings me out of my point. And yet we lock down schools and yet we're talking about vaccinate, like forcing vaccinations on kids. And the question is why this doesn't even affect them. And so, so it it just begs the question, have we lost our minds, you know, and and why is it that this particular issue has, has just captured our imagination and our hearts, like so much more than any other risk that we face on a daily basis.
1: James, I, first of all, I, I, you know, 760,000 people have died of this. I, I think the risk is substantial. I don't know how many millions of people are long haulers. But, but, I, 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 not, not. You have your view. I have my view. I think people that don't get vaccinated are selfish, and I think they want to know who they are. That's ridiculous. I, I, they, they, that's ridiculous. Well, okay. you, you, but that's what I think. <laughs> well, that's what I think. I mean, I can't change. The way you think. I, I think if you're not vaccinated, you are willing to put other people at risk for some fantasy of freedom that you have. And I just, you know, I, I'm not, I, I would say Freedom, in jail, freedom is indeed
2: not a fantasy. It is a, it is well, a tenet of Americanism. Freedom, <laughs>
1: if, if it was a freedom to you on your own behavior to do something, then that if you want to drink as much as you want, get drunk as you want, not drive, you have the freedom to do that. That does not impair anybody else's freedom. If you choose not to be vaccinated, lie to it, and sit next to me on an airplane, then... You're touching on my freedom, and that's that just, we have a different concept of freedom, but I am totally, I mean, George Washington didn't ask him at Valley Forge if you want smallpox vaccination, not. He vaccinated everybody at Valley Forge in the middle of the winter. And I, 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 I just, you know, I don't mean to be uncivil or anything, but I just find that argument just totally
2: unpersuasive. Well, we, we do have definitions of freedom on the left and right, right. and, and that, that remains one of our country's greatest problems, because, right. because I, define, I define freedom as, as the, the, the prevention of you infringing on my inalienable rights, natural rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. You're defining it differently. You're defining it in this sort of collectivist way, and that's not really freedom. It's, it's, you, know, you could argue it's for the common good. But that is not Americanism. Uh, that that is not what uh, our founders actually advocated for and fought for. Uh, uh, I don't think it's collectivism to say that we have
1: a responsibility to each other. I don't. I, I think that's Christianity. or, or it's Judeo-Islamic Christianity, ethical culture, whatever you want to encompass in it.
2: Yeah. But, I, but ch- I, just for the charity. life of
1: me, I, yeah. I, 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 well, charity I think is part of Christianity, people, and that's that's right, for I, I, sure, I, absolutely okay, true. Right.
2: However, okay, so I, but, I, but charity is not forced, and Jesus never never advocated that you force charity on someone or that you force conformity. Uh, you know, and He see, was pretty. But he didn't. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. No, so. oh,
1: no, you know, he told you if they ask you for your shirt, you give them your coat. If somebody asks you for money, you shouldn't even ask them if they can pay you back. He was pretty... But did he, I, but did he ever I, say that I, I, he should be that? He was pretty punny. definitive on charity. I, 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 but did I, he say I, the but, government but, should
2: make you do that?
1: Well, he said rent unto to Caesar was Caesar's, all right? He actually was not... it. But I, I, this is an oh. argument we're going on a rabbit track. <laughs> I, 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 done, I, I just say... To, well, it's philosophical it's having, differences you, you between... You call free, yeah, yeah, it's it's I, philosophical I, differences between free, the left and right. 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 Um, and, and they're, yes, they're yes, important to
2: distinguish... They, they um, are. And it's important but, to have these discussions because but, because yeah. they're it's 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 often muddled, it's
1: an- right? Well, I you know Jesus he didn't, he didn't much care for rich people, but <laughs> so maybe the, <laughs> but anyway yeah you're very I enjoyed this I I hope you you tell some of your colleagues that uh, you know they have access to the show and to the extent we can we try to give you a chance to present your side in the picture and you know we, we try to civilly. You know, say outside. So, uh, no, I appreciate you know, it. You got a lot of work. I appreciate you know, it. You got a lot of
2: work. I think to I do. came on here to talk about my book. Did I? <laughs> okay. Well, let's ta- <laughs> tell tell us about about a look. Wait a minute. I wait a minute. Oh, 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 wait
0: a minute. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I can quote from your book because I, I, I read part of it. Sure. And, and, and you lamented that we have the wrong role models who represent self indulgence, loud mouth commentary, angry fish shaking, or insulting fish shaking. I don't know. I thought that sounded like you were describing Donald Trump.
2: Oh, not not on purpose. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> <that's> an interesting <laughs> quote because I mean I, I absolutely stand by that quote. It's it, it, look, I when I when I when I condemn my own side, it's that's that's the sort of sentiment that I adhere to. Is right. exactly what you just said. Um, look, Trump could be that person, and oftentimes he wasn't that person. I mean, again, he's, we don't. We need to keep this about right, Trump all the right. time. I didn't mean like, to bring I, up Trump I, yeah, again. I just, just... just seemed as a human being who sometimes acts like that, and maybe you could accuse me of acting like that sometimes. Not that often, <laughs> but... <laughs> um but certainly not james carville and me though no <laughs> I'll, have our, Angels. I'll have our moments Angels. <laughs> <laughs> you know well I,
0: uh, I, I think you've covered a number of things that were at least points in your book about freedom yeah, and about uh, yeah. health care and other things let me let me ask you one different question now, who are a couple democrats you admire
2: or respect or like john f kennedy um, well alive uh, <laughs> current
0: democrats
2: <laughs> uh hey, joe joe kennedy is a a friend. Um, Tulsi Gabbard's a friend. Unfortunately, the, the people I attend the list have, have left Congress and the people I've befriended in Congress have betrayed me. Um, and, uh, how they betrayed you. Oh, through just a variety of ways. Um, maybe it's, maybe it's some below the belt accusation or something, either publicly or in a committee hearing that I was just, that I saw just didn't see coming. Um, maybe it's, uh, Maybe it's voting to strip me of five thousand dollars of personal income for no good reason. Uh, you know, it's it, it, I don't know if you guys are you're familiar with what I'm talking about, perhaps. No, um, I,
0: I, I should be. I apologize for well, my bad research. You know, there's
2: this rule in the, in the House that Democrats have imposed. And, and the, you know, when you want to know why there's so little civility in the House these days, it's because there's rules like this. We have to walk through a metal detector to get into the House floor. By the way, 10 feet before that, we walk past the metal detectors because we never go through metal detectors as members of Congress. But the Democrats want us all to go through there. And if you, and if you go around it, then you pay 5000 bucks. Now, which is absurd on its face. And it's absurd to think that 51% of the House can just vote to take away income, personal income, cut the paychecks from the other 49%. That, that's a kind of a... Just on its face, that is pretty ridiculous, but that is now the precedent that has been set. And then, the, you know, so 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 they tried to get me because I went through the cloakroom. Like, there's no metal detectors there, right? And we just go through it all the time. I literally, an officer watched me, you know, they don't care because this is all make-believe, right? It's all a make-believe security effort. And um, and so they actually tried to to fine me for that. And every single Democrat voted against me, except one, so I guess... Uh, well, I'm not supposed Who's to say, well, I'm not supposed to say who I'm not anyway, oh. I'm not
0: no I'm just looking for a current Democrat Mario, I mean Joe Kennedy yeah. and Tulsi have left, as you said uh, so it's it's not it's really hard to name one.
2: Uh, I can try harder than that. Let me. <laughs> But I, I owe you that. Look, there's there's Democrats who work it and it and it depends on the issues. Um, you know, there's 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 certain Democrats that are really reasonable on certain issues. I, I don't know how then they end up voting for Build Back Better Plan, but because they seem to agree with us on so many things behind closed doors. Um Henry Cuellar is one that's really great. He'll he'll actually put his neck out there and co-sponsor things with us. Um you know, uh, I've worked with Scott Peters on certain environmental issues. We agree on things like nuclear energy, and um, you know, so there's there, there's there's definitely reasonable ones that we work with. Uh, just the ones that I've and 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 so it 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 is possible. <laughs> you know, Colin and, and, Alrad
0: it, it, in your district, in your
2: state, rather. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah he, is, he is. a nice guy. We we haven't found anything to actually. We we were talking about working together on on. Um, psychedelic treatment for PTSD. So, I mean, there's there's uh, some interesting things that, you know, people can work together on. Um, but I'm currently pretty angry with my Texas Democrats because, they're t- you know, they're, they're voting for things that are very, very harmful to Texas in particular right now. Um,
0: well, so. I, I will tell you this. I, I hope we gave you enough time because I, I don't think we reached any any consensus, but you certainly articulate <laughs> your views uh, very well and very very interestingly, and we are delighted to have had you on this program. No, I, I, hope I you appreciate come back. that.
2: Oh, and, 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 and I, I suppose, by the way, to plug the book, it's just dancrenshaw.com, and you can find uh, both the new children's book and the old one that you quoted. Oh, wow.
0: So, I, I, Dan I wrote Cren- a children's book, too, so L- we got something. Let me concrete. repeat that, oh, nice. dancrenshaw.com. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, there
2: you go. Dancrenshaw.com. Thank, All right. Hey, thank
0: you, Congressman.
2: I appreciate you guys. Hey, good luck
0: today. you. You okay. back. Hey, now we wanna tell you about a delicious meal service perfect for these holidays, HelloFresh. We all know the holidays can be hectic, so HelloFresh helps keep things simple with recipes and and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep time so you can spend more time this festive season with friends and family. You'll get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door, and we love that you can easily customize your order on the app within minutes. Feeling good, knowing you'll be getting fresh, high-quality ingredients that go from the farm to your kitchen in less than a week. HelloFresh is a can't-beat value. Even at full price, it's over thirty percent cheaper than grocery stores. And with this holiday, it's time to try for even less. Plus, your whole family will love it. Right, James? Not, yeah, the whole family. I mean, up and down. And, 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 and by the way, your
1: guests will like it too. Again, I'm. I'm this, this, this is a. a you know, it's unbelievable the way that I don't know how they can cook this many meals and obtain this kind of result. But they they, they, they can do it. They can do it better than anybody. You see, it's it's actually it, you got all of the nutritional stuff there. And I I promise you, you you're not gonna be impressed. You, you you're gonna be really impressed by this stuff. Really impressed.
0: And I saw a week and a half ago there are a lot of Carvilles who can uh, who will enjoy HelloFresh this holiday yeah. season yeah. It gets so good. Go, it's to Hel- go to go to hellofresh.com slash warroom14 and use the code warroom14 for up to 14 free meals and 3 free gifts for America's number 1 meal kit remember go to hellofresh.com slash warroom14 and use code warroom14 for up to 14 free meals and 3 free gifts or look for the link in our show notes Okay, James, once again, a lot of very good questions. I'm going to start with John in Sea Ranch, California. It said, and this is about you. It seems to me the woke crowd is claiming James is against wokeness rather than what he really is saying, that he's against woke speak. James, he's speaking about you, and I think he's absolutely right isn't against defending blacks, browns, women, children, but rather is asking the woke folks to use common sense language rather than faculty lounge language. And I I think a corollary to that question, and and you can answer both, is Aaron in Santa Barbara, two California questions. Aaron goes the other way. Says, you dismiss and based AOC and the squad so much Um, uh, for you, You why don't you invite one of them on your podcast to defend their positions? James, you can tell them, we've had an outstanding invitation to AOC, uh, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, for the last year. Anytime I hope she comes on, she'll probably take us to the cleaners. But go ahead and answer John. Uh, First of all, I don't
1: know if I've ever said anything bad about AOC. I don't think you have. I I, 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 I may. I I, I think in one interview, I, I, I said I thought that she was, some of her policy positions were naive, uh, but uh, that's hardly a a yeah. Uh, but uh, look, I I don't know. Woke is you know uh, now they say well woke is an old person's word. Yet uh, John McWhorter, who has a PhD from some fancy faculty lounge college, in words. I mean, but, but what is linguistic? But now words. He has a book title with woke in the title. Mm-hmm. So the the Times is going to have to. Uh, or, or Mr. Blow says no one uses the word woke anymore. Mr. Kang on the same op-ed page uses the term yoke. So I, I wish somebody at the Times or, or somebody's language people would tell me, to, is that a real word now? It, it, it seems to be you can't call anybody woke anymore because it's, you're, it means you're old. Right? I, I call it a cultural left, obsessive you know, focus on identity. I don't, I don't care what you call it. It's the language is losing us elections, yeah. and I don't know why. How AOC? I mean, she said I was old. But okay, so what? Who cares?
0: Well, I, James, I James, attacked, James right? she she has a point on that one. She us,
1: <laughs> but I'm I'm younger than Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, and me. That's true. Yeah, you. Okay. So what do I say? <laughs> I'm a spring chicken around here, but I I I I, I, I don't know how the this became. A uh, 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 James Carville AOC thing. Other than she, sort of would have to be. But that's fine. She's I'd love
0: to have her on the show. It on Twitter, yeah, yeah, I anytime say, she I think, wants to be uh, You know. That's the uh, the, sec- the second question. We're in a California mode today. Comes from Chris in Long Beach. And he said, he asked, are there protections or limits that can be put into the infrastructure bill to protect the funds from Republican reallocation if the Democrats lose Congress or the presidency? Uh, you know, or could the multiple trillions be directed to continue building the wall or mismanaged for other Republican projects? Well, there are certain specifications, Chris, in that bill. Uh, and there are some limits that would make it harder to use it for political, you know, blatantly political purposes alike. the like. But the governors have a lot of discretion. And so if you have the governor of Texas who wants to say we need uh, a road and then to build a wall someplace, I'm not sure what would happen. It might be contested in court, but uh, when you pass a bill like this, uh, it cre- it, 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 there are specifications, uh, and so there's a, a, a body of law there or a body of con- congressional intent. But governors have a lot of discretion.
1: Well, if they got a Republican president or Republican Congress, it would just change the law. But if the pencil I say yeah. we'll give $100 trillion to bill in the border yep. wall, or, you know, yep. I mean, a law is not written
0: in concrete. It's just a law for now. Jennifer in Denver, Colorado, James, wants to know no. what are Liz Cheney's chances of getting reelected in 2022? And what do you think Adam Kinzinger will do after leaving Congress?
1: Well, if he does what everybody else does, he'll join a government relations firm in some kind of way, but I I don't know that, but if you were to bet that every time someone left Congress, you you would be right a lot more than you would be wrong, but I have no idea what he's going to do. You know, I saw there's some stories of Liz Cheney, some of the chairman of some big Republican county in Wyoming, you know, wrote a, a thought, a nice defense of Liz and her chances. I... I find it hard to, hard to believe that she's going to survive a primary, but I, you know, hope she does. Well, the
0: biggest hope is that it's a multiple, it's a multiple, right. multiple field, multiple field primary. She, right.
1: Maybe they can cannibalize right, each other. Right. I, I mean, it's, I, mean I, I think she'd beat any Democrat. For,
0: you know, it's that outrageous that the Wyoming Republican Central Committee, the state party, by 31 to 29, said she wasn't a Republican. Who in the hell are they? To define well, that. No, a, they I, are a bunch of nutbags, is
1: what they are. I'm surprised it was that close. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know how you can tell somebody they're not. It's like telling somebody that right. you, you're not a, a Christian or something. How do you know what someone is? But I'm surprised. I didn't realize if I was that close. That was yeah. shocking to me. I would have thought it had been much more than that.
0: Well, probably, you know, between Liz and her dad, there are some people who... Oh, oh, a little bit to the Cheneys, but. but Brian uh, in New York City says he is a Carvillian Democrat and you no. can't fix stupid. But how are, you, how are you able to view Republicans with any sort of humanity? I'm sure, or do you still talk to Republicans or Trump voters? How do you do it? Well, we know James talks to a Republican. Uh, and I will say this um, I don't know, pre Trump, 2014, 12, you know, certainly back 20 years ago. I talk to a lot of Republicans. Uh, I, there are a lot of Republicans I disagree with I, and I respect it. I don't talk to very many Republicans today. I don't talk to as many people as I used to anyway. And it's because the conversation gets, once Trump comes up, and it's hard for it not to come up, the conversation uh, becomes uh, more tense. So um, I, I, I I regret that. I think he's changed the party in a lot of ways, and almost all of them bad.
1: Well, i obviously talked to... Uh, a lot more Republicans than most people, just given the nature where I'm from, and you know, also kind of some of the social circles that I run into. And what I try to do is just not talk about Trump with them. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. most of them are, are kind of relieved not to anyway. I mean, if you said we're going to have an hour conversation with someone and we're not going to bring Trump up, most people say, Well, thank God. Yeah. No matter who you are. So I, 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 I just talk around this as much as I can. I just, just don't bring it up. And if somebody brings it up, I. I uh, try to divert the conversation to a different direction, yeah. but something—it's inevitable that it's going to come out. Because I mean, I—I I, I think he's a, he's a career criminal who doesn't give a crap about the United States, but other than that. I think he's great.
0: Yeah, I went to my college reunion and we had a table. And it was a politics-free table. Everybody liked that, no matter what their yeah. side was. Yeah, um, James, you like this? This is Lieutenant Colonel. Tony he doesn't tell us his last name retired Uh, he was from New Orleans uh, and 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 now I think lives in Washington he said I recently retired from, from the Marine Corps and I live in the DC area but he still has a place in New Orleans the DC area is doing just fine but New Orleans he worries is in deep deep trouble I am extremely concerned about the number of restaurants and pubs that have shuttered since the pandemic I think we need to reignite the restaurant revitalization fund and protect our friends in the service industry in New Orleans your thoughts James
1: First of all, he's. He <laughs> I've spent time between the two. And yes, the Washington, D.C. area is a lot more prosperous than the New Orleans metro area. Uh, there's a, you know, if you follow, you're right, we're having some closures. Man, there's a lot of, at least, you know, some, and even on the high end thing, there's all kinds of new places popping up. I mean, you can't get a reservation at Miss River, the Malone Shire place. And then, uh, mm-hmm. In, in the four seasons so I I think he's right I think we've got to bring you know we got to really work hard and get tourism back in the city and support some of these restaurants because they've been through a, a terrible time they're like everybody else they, they're struggling with labor costs uh, but they, you know I read a big article in the paper the Palace Cafe which is a, one of the Brennans on Canal Street is opening bigger and better so uh, you know we got issues, we got trouble, but you can you can get a good meal and have a good time down there. But lo- the longer issues are are quite daunting. A, a lot of them are just environmental, and uh, you know a lot of them are. are, are we have a, a a lot of you know a lot of a lot of people in poverty. You know, have hope there, a yep. little bit better, given them. But it, it, it's something to be concerned about, Colonel. It really is. It is. I hope we run into each other down there
0: all right colonel look up james when you're down there it is a great city you know whatever its problems beverly in bourne massachusetts says the price of gasoline and the price of groceries are super high this is huge for people and the only news they see how can this be addressed and solved beverly um, time is the is the easy answer i suppose uh the two of the two unfortunate answers are uh to raise interest rates to do what paul volcker did uh, in 1979, 1980, the inflation today is minuscule compared to what he faced back then. So I think that's unnecessary. And one of the things is, um, you know, don't, uh, don't buy as much. Don't be as active. Some of that, you know, we had pent-up demand, and people are now doing that. That's good. That's good for a lot of people. It creates more jobs. Also creates a little bit more inflation. We can hope with the supply chain issues that, as is Ye- Yellen, Jan- Yellen and others have said, that this will not be a temporary problem, but it's going to diminish and it will not be a the kind of 6% inflation rate we're seeing now, uh, a year from now. Well, I, I've read a lot. First of all,
1: the price of oil is a world market of what I think we're one-fifth of. So the truth of the matter is there's not very much that Biden, anybody else, can do about it. Also, one of the more interesting things, if you want to delve into this, there are a lot of really smart people, I'd say the, a lot, that think, All of this was related to the 2014 instance of the Saudis flooding the oil market. And this convincing case to be made when they did that, that in a price went so low, we didn't reinvest in these fracking, these drilling rigs. And we're sort of caught, and the Saudis have this huge oil price, and and now they're sitting there sitting pretty. But it was a, a very... Controversial thing they did, and everybody else in OPEC was really mad at him. But the, the tragic thing about this is, not only is it hard on people, it's also making two of the worst regimes in the world, the Saudis and the Russians, a lot richer. But I, I for the life of me, I guess you could release part of the strategic petroleum reserve. I don't know how effective that can be, and they really much. want to give that up. But there's not, there's honestly, there's not a lot he can do. Yeah, and I don't no, no know has come up and says if Biden does these three things, I mean they'll say well It's the It didn't do
0: anything to do with it. No, you and know, it's not, nothing. It 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 certainly is not the build back better plan. God. I hate that name, but whatever it is uh, That that as Larry Summers who has been a you know a Inflation hawk says that ain't won't be inflationary, but yeah, you know, now, now the
1: CBO says the same thing or something Yeah, does yeah. everybody says the same
0: right thing. right, but that won't stop all the Republicans have voting against it. James, final question. We're in a New Orleans mode uh, today. Uh, this is Jack, he, college student, uh, he's at Loyola. He says, oh, part right. of what, what I see at the university demoralizes me. It's cancel culture mentality where if you disagree with a progressive cause, you're the problem. The problem with the universities, Jack says, this is talking more broadly, is they're too damn expensive and controlled. I'd be for free college if it focused on specific majors. Both y'all worked in universities. Do you share that frustration?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of frustration about intolerance for for diverse views on campuses around the country. Uh, I, that's I am not not surprised. It's like but, but I see it in a lot of places. That certainly a lot of people have made that observation. Have actually complained about it pretty vociferously. Uh, in terms of you know, the the making community college. You know, people have. Access these days to, you know, these community colleges are getting a lot better. They have access. They're, they're you know, any number of things that people can do, education that they can get, <clears throat> well, you possibly don't run up that kind of debt or that kind of student debt. But I, I you know, it's it's very hard when you figure a solution because it, it, it's college admissions and college financing, and I, I say this and, it's it's kind of a racket, right? It it really is, and the, the the kind of student loan thing and they raise the tuition, but assess the sticker price, and it's, you know, it. it I I wouldn't be against a, a, a whole fine tuning of higher ed in the United States, but it's a pretty, pretty powerful entity, and I'd, be very cautious about big changes coming.
0: Yeah, it's pretty hard. James, just another 60 seconds here. I forgot one question that John and C. Ranch asked. Uh, is Pat is, is Pat Leahy's uh, a uh, resignation from the Senate or intention not to run again? A bad sign the Senate has lost in 20. 20- 22 uh, no, it's not he's 81. Uh, he's going will serve for 48 years and since the Republican governor said he's not going to run That's a seat that almost surely will stay in Democratic hands.
1: Yeah, I don't think it means that I mean, he's I mean I say he's a very nice guy Congratulations by the way on a really long and distinguished career, which still got another better than a year. Yeah to, to finish yes. up, but uh, uh, Yeah it's, it's 81 it just it's, you know, it's not Chuck Grassley's gonna you know, right? <laughs>
0: Well, sir, 48 years. That's a pretty good... Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's, a,
1: that's, a, that's a long run.
0: Third longest senator, I think, uh, I think ever after. Who's the longest? Like Carl Hayden? Robert Byrd. Robert Byrd. And then Pearl second Bird. second is Danny Inouye. Carl Carl Hayden came, uh, you know, before... Oh, he was okay. there before Arizona was a state. Uh, right, uh, right, right. <laughs> he
1: he it have gotten state a little early. Yeah, God. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, they keep those questions coming. Boy, they are good. And I'm sorry we didn't get to every one of them. But if you had one we didn't get to, send it in again. Hey James, a few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. Not anymore. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine it all being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record, your record. Having your private life exposed was once something only celebrities worried about and I guess a few politicians. But now everyone's a public figure. So to keep our data private, when we go online, James, What we want to do is turn to ExpressVPN. There are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data. They don't even get your consent or let you know who they sell to. Those data harvesters use your IP to uniquely ID you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, the connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked because every time you turn to ExpressVPN, and given a random IP address that's shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it much more difficult for third parties to identify me or you and harvest our data. The best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. And people need that protection these days, James Carville. Well, I'll tell you what,
1: if you don't think you need it, a, you can look on your computer. I do search right. history. Oh my God! Would you want other people seeing that? I don't think anybody would. And I, I look. I think this is I, this is a, a a cool product. I'm glad these advertisers on our show because you know we talk about privacy issues and that kind of stuff. When we're just sitting there exposed as 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 you can be, and not just to marketers, but all kind of other you know kind of nefarious people. So this is a Good product. It's not very expensive. It's it's accessible. I, I, I couldn't imagine why you wouldn't want this Unless maybe, unless of course you you know All you do is Google your evening prayers. Well, then maybe you don't need it But if you anything beyond that you probably When's the do. last
0: time you googled your evening prayers James
1: We're not gonna go So gonna
0: if you're like us and you believe that your data is your business secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market Visit expressvpn.com slash war room and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash war room, or go to expressvpn.com slash war room to learn more. All right, now for the outrage of the week. You know, a favorite ploy of former Trump aides is something called CYA. That's cover your ass. I wasn't really one of those people advocating the crazy things like the election was stolen or encouraging a violent mob attack on the Capitol. My favorite CYA, however, is Jared Kushner, the princeling son-in-law. You know, surrogates used to peddle what a pervasively influential and positive force he was in Trump land. In Jonathan Carl's much-discussed new book, Betrayal, the Final Act of the Trump Show... He revealed that when Vice President Pence's staff, prior to the January 6 attack on the Capitol, asked Kushner to call Trump, call off the dogs, talk to your father-in-law, explain to him that Pence had no power to overturn the election. Carl, a good reporter, writes that Kushner responded, he was too busy in the Middle East to bother with stuff like this. When the definitive history of these awful times is accumulated, as it's been now, Jared Kushner will be one of the real lowlifes.
1: Yeah, I, I it, it, first of all, it, it's the most unsurprising thing I've ever heard in my life, that he's a sniveling backstabbing sta- snake. <laughs> okay, yes, that's what he is, okay? I, I mean, I'm sure that Jonathan Collins is right, and that certainly would comport totally what I see to be uh, Jared's values. I, I guess... The outrage, it's, I can't get up with this Paul Gosser thing. And I I, I I know he said, well, no, no one in the staff said anything. I, I don't buy, you have to do something. I, you know, you're probably right. But if you don't censor somebody for this, what the right. hell are you going to censor somebody for? But it, it, it's just so utterly outrageous. And what scares the heck out of me is that that's what that, people, in I think his district is in a kind of western part of the state. Well, that's what the people in that congressional district in Arizona want, and that's a frightening thing to think living in a country where you have these kind of people yeah. existing. It really no, is. This, this it outrageous. is
0: absolutely outrageous. Okay, we will have more Outrageous next week, I promise. Hey, thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville, and I'm Al Hunt. Don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at politicon. Following this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you check out the links to our sponsors, HelloFresh and ExpressVPN, in the show notes. We deeply thank you for supporting them. When you do, it helps make this podcast happen. To keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another program as we continue our war room planning.